Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome, and before we get to the stretchy episode, I know everybody's been waiting for their phase three, team two, Concord Canucks U9 update. So we've had an emotional week, folks. Uh, we, we lost a heartbreaker Saturday, 10 to 8. Boys fought hard. We gave her everything we had, you know, but Big Rig and the boys were just too much to handle on the other side from team three. So we had a rematch Sunday morning, 9 a.m., um, well, Colby and I had to rip to our ne my nephew's uh, birthday party. We skated on an outdoor rink, had a good time, stayed up late. And I said, Colby, you're getting to that game. We're waking up early and you're going to be there. And uh, I got him there, uh, but uh, then realized I had left the equipment uh, staying warm in the garage. <clears throat> so when we arrived at the arena, Colby had no equipment and the coach had shown up with his son with no equipment. Um, so then I asked uh, a father from the other team that had the younger son if they had more equipment, and he said he would run home and get another bag of hockey equipment. So when he shows back up, we got a couple dads ready to get Colby dressed. Um, we get him out. They got him out there by the after the second shift. We were down a couple, uh, but uh, he came out with a bright white helmet. Uh, it didn't fit. The skates didn't fit. The shin pads didn't fit. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Colby, I think you showed a lot of character. Um, you never complained. You didn't uh, yell at me. Um, you uh, did the best you could with the equipment you had. Uh, and the skates were very, very dull. And I tell you, it, uh, it was a tough morning on the ice. But uh, it was totally your dad's fault and the coach's fault. And I'm sorry, guys. Um, but I'll take the blame for that one. Uh, so anyways, the boys, we lost, uh, we lost nine to one. It wasn't, it wasn't a good game. Uh, but then we got to try and redeem ourselves Monday night, five o'clock at the Tiverton arena. Um, and the boys fought hard seesaw battle against the McQuillan boy and the tout kid. They were all over the place, but, uh, at the end of the game, McQuillan has a laser beam to break the tie, 13-12, with just over a minute left. We're down a goal. I pull the goalie, and uh, they hem us in with the empty net. They fire a couple at it. And then all of a sudden, Colby breaks free and gets a breakaway. We tie it up with 26 seconds left. So now I yell at the first kid to come back to the bench. We get Easton, who played a hell of a game in that kit. Um, he's scrambling back to the net. It's a tie game. And, well, what do you know? Nolan Knight strips the D-man, he goes in on a breakaway and buries it, low blocker, to take the lead 14 to 13 with six seconds left. And I tell you, what an emotional weekend the team had. But uh, guys, 
you battled hard and uh, you showed a lot of guts after the 9-1 blowout on Sunday. And man, Monday night was a game to remember. Well done, fellas. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on the guy who holds every fitness record at Western Michigan University. He has a cult-like following with the Columbus Cottonmouths of the Southern Professional Hockey League. He scored one collegiate goal and was my college roommate. Um... Well, the first year we didn't live together, but he's basically been my roommate for f- all four years. And he is also a Narch champion. That means North American roller hockey champion ch- champion. And he trains with world-renowned trainer Jeff Lavecchio. He has been working with stretches, chippy tits. How is that going? And how are you today? Um, I'm, I'm doing very well, Brent. Thank you for that uh, very nice introduction. Very happy to be on uh, Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. Um, it's funny that you ask about, uh, about Vex. So um, to answer your question, um, for the past, I would say, five days, things are not going well. So I had a couple of days where I couldn't mix in my, my workout from Vex every day. And I'll get into that story after, but then that turned into a couple of days, you know, I was busy at work all day. I had to go out and see some stuff. Now I've missed a few in a row. I've, I'm three workouts behind where for, I mean, I don't know, probably two and a half months. I like hadn't missed a day. And even on off days, I was, I was exercising active recovery days. I never skipped a day except for this week. And then um, it was awesome. Like, I honestly, I got to, like, it was the end of Christmas and I was off for three weeks. And I mean, you know, it's like Christmas, like COVID, have a baby at home, sitting around, eat all day, couple beers every day. Next thing you know, getting a little bit, you know, thick in the middle (laughs) as I tend to from time to time. And then I, out of nowhere, like I follow Vex on social media. I see all the stuff he's doing. I texted him. And I was like, and I mean, we, we keep in touch like a little bit over the years. I text him. I'm like, dude, like I'm fat. I've got a few weights kicking around. I've got some like resistance bands. What do I do? Like I'm a mess. So he was like, Oh, no problem. Send this workout, download this app. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Like I don't have anything to do. It breaks up my day. Like I sit in my office at work all day. So it's been awesome. It helps. I feel better. So Shout out to Vex, my current uh, coach. Um, well, I guess just in case people didn't listen to episode two, you should. Um, Jeff Lavecchio was the inspiration of this podcast because I went on his podcast and he is uh, a trainer that's training NHL players and up and coming players in St. Louis. And um, he has an app that anybody can use all over the world. Um, and stretchy here in uh, where are you now? And uh, what are, oh, hold, I'm going to give the background of uh, how we know each other now. Okay. okay. Um, so Vex, way to go, buddy. And everybody sign up, get in shape. Um, so Stretch and I know each other. We met um, at Western Michigan University. Um, I guess it'd be orientation day. 
And then we spent the next uh, four years together, um, really learning about life and um, teaching each other about life and um, kind of showing each other what not to do sometimes. Um, and uh, we also, after our successful collegiate careers, well, during it, we won a roller hockey tournament, which we'll get into. Um, and then this is where uh, the history is so rich and thick. Um, when my hockey career was over and I started with the company I'm with now, I had to go out to be a field technician and wrap pipes um, as a heat treater, a, a heat treatment technician. And um, I was learning the business and the company and um, I was sent to the Burlington, Ontario region and I called stretch um, kind of out of the blue since I had been in Europe for 10 years. We had stayed in contact, but you don't see each other that much. And I said, hey, stretch, I'm coming to work at Burlington for the next two months. And uh, then I guess you can take it from there because like you had a different life now from um, like in the past. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, and my wife will probably um, she told me before she was like, Make sure, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, make sure you talk about that, how great it was when Brent lived with us. And I was like, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that, of course. Um, so I was worried. My current wife, Kathleen, um, we had just, I was living out in Benbrook, which was about, I don't know, what was it, like 35 minutes from where you had to go in Burlington, like 40 minutes or something. I'm living out there and you call me one day and you're like, hey, like, I got to come down there. And Kathleen had like just, or no, she'd moved in a little while ago, but not like a, eh, maybe been living with me for like a year, but she hadn't really met any of the guys yet or anything. Like she hadn't met any of the college buddies. And that was back in, I mean, I don't know, that was like five or six years ago now, um, like five years ago. <clears throat> and like, we were living a little bit faster and looser from time to time back then. And I was kind of like, oh man, like, how's this going to go over? So I remember the day that I like had to go and be obviously, I mean, I mean, what was I going to say? No, like, obviously you're coming to stay with me. If you're coming around, I was going to send you to a hotel. <clears throat> so well, I, I did like, stay in, I did stay in a hotel for a week uh, because I didn't want to impose. Right. This is how that went. So I, I, I go to Kathleen and I'm like, honey, I'm like, um, you know, my buddy Brent from school, I'm like, he's got to work down here and obviously like I have to offer for him to obviously come and stay with us. And I was like, but he said that he's going to stay at the hotel on like, what, what the original thing was you were going to stay at the hotel, like Sunday night, Monday night, then stay with me like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then go home. So I was yeah. like, you'll be here nights a week. And then I think you went back to the hotel for like one night. And I was like, honey, he's staying at the motel six. Like we can't let him stay there. And she was like, no, we can't let him stay there. Like that's dangerous. So we were like, he's, you're staying in like a $69 hotel on the side of the highway in Burlington. And we were like, you can't live there. You're going to be here for like three months. So then you just stayed at our house forever. And yeah, no, it was great. We loved it. It was uh, like we said back then, we're like, it's like we had jobs and we had to go to work during the day, but for at least like five hours a day, like we would come home, we would hang out till 11 o'clock at night. And it was like, it was wicked. Like you got your buddy over all the time. And when I woke up in the morning, you were gone. I never saw you. When I came home, dinner was made. You always had beer in the fridge. It was great. 
Um, I could tell you were a little bit nervous just because we hadn't lived together since our college days. And I wasn't maybe the same roommate now as, or I guess it's five years ago now, but I was a little more mature than when we were college roommates. You were were substantially more mature as I was as well. Um, I think that it's easy to see how things could have spiraled out of control but I don't think they did. And all in all, I think it was a successful stay. We enjoyed having you as part of the family for a while. Well, tell Kathleen, thank you, because she uh, had never met Wally. I'm sure she had heard of him, but uh, yeah. Um, So actually, I think that is probably why now you are a father, which you'll have to explain how that's been right now since before we get into the hockey stuff here. But um, yeah. (laughs) literally I stayed with you guys for about two months and I remember surprising the family right before Christmas they didn't know I had got off and I was done the however many hours I had to do um and I was done before Christmas and I went home and surprised them and um literally the day I moved out the day I moved out the day I moved out you got engaged and it was like if you can live with him for two months, you're my gal. <laughs> it was it was the next day. And I I did not tell you. You're right. I did not tell you that that was about to happen because I was nervous. And I, you know, got to make sure that everything went off without a hitch. Not many people knew except for I had a buddy of mine who helped me out with my proposal. But um, I, I knew to- you told me, you donkey. <laughs> Oh, I don't even remember telling you. I remember that it was the day after you left. <laughs> yeah, because I was driving away going, wow, I wonder how it's going to go. <laughs> I don't even remember that part. It tells you about the first two months of the trip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, so um, I guess the other part of that is uh, when I stayed with you guys, um, my part of it was, well, I didn't have to pay for a hotel now because you wouldn't let me pay rent. Um, so I got, I think it was $99 a day. And I said, well, I'll cook dinner every night and I'll supply any alcohol that we may drink um, after a hard day's work of, say, wrapping rap, pipe and whatever. What are you doing now? Um, I work and I'm a sales manager for a, a large corporation of sorts in the business in Canada. And um, yeah, I've been doing it for like 10 years probably, but life is good on the work front. Good. Um, so anyways, we did have a few good meals though, didn't we? Um, so to rewind this back to when you left, I forget what we, we ate something for dinner, like, two days after you were gone on like a normal night of the week when you would have been making dinner for us. And I remember being like, do we have any wine? And we were like, no. And we we're like, Ugh. and then we were kind of like, I guess dinner kind of sucks. Like we were eating something that like wasn't exciting. And we were like, it's brutal. Okay. We, we were like, I miss Brent. Like when you were gone, we were like, I kind of, and I, I, I lived with you in our younger years and I was never like, Oh, I miss Brent. Like from a <laughs> living standard. Point. <laughs> and, I, and then when you're gone we were like <clears throat> we were like man like what the hell are we gonna eat like i felt like we were like scrapping together and we could put together and eat 
And then I remember the very, so there was, there's meals that stick out in my mind. Number one, your first out of the gate meal, the, your, like your open, your lead off hitting meal what was, was chicken ramen. You made chicken ramen and you were rattled that you couldn't get the right type of noodles. And I was like, get off of your high horse. And you were like, these are not the right type of noodles for this. It was some weird noodle from like the international section. I was like, who is this guy? And then, but it was good. It was like really good. And I remember eating it and being like, what the hell? Like, where did Brent? And then you told me about how you kind of like, you know, and I was playing overseas, a lot of time on my hands. Like, and I think back, I'm like, God, if I could have learned, I could have learned how to do a meal. I could have been a doctor if I'd used all that spare time. But you learn how to cook. So chicken ramen was your leadoff hitter. The best thing you ever made, and I'm not lying to you, I will take this to the end of the earth until you are knocked off your perch. You made cast iron burgers one night with grilled pineapple on them. Do you remember? With brioche buns. You taught me about brioche buns. And I've never looked at bread the same since. Like, I only, if I'm going out, if I'm making burgers, I'm going brioche every time. But those burgers were unbelievable. I'm trying to think there's probably if I asked Kathleen, she would be like, oh, remember this one you had, you had a couple. I mean, you cooked dinner 45 times probably in two months. And I think you it might have been a little bit longer than two months, but you had like a 95% like great dinner success rate. I'll give you that which and for like, I mean, if our other buddies <laughs> are listening to this, they're gonna be like, that's a lie. But it's the truth. Yeah, uh, always, always beer in the fridge always had a bottle of fantini those were the days yeah yeah and i yeah it was it was a fun stay and uh yeah i did start my culinary journey <laughs> uh probably yeah. in denmark when uh it was a small town and there was nothing to do uh, and i had colby was basically a baby so there was really nowhere to go or nothing to do so i literally started learning about cooking and uh i i yeah i re really got into it there like i i'll make spetsley from germany at home and like i'll make anything but uh now you're on your own culinary journey i believe i am but brent i have to rewind one more thing to when you stayed with me i remember when you left and i went downstairs because we had the day you came down i had like a big like queen size air mattress and I, and you were like, I'm going to stay in the basement. And I was like, okay. And there's a bathroom down there or whatever. I had a big queen size air mattress. We put out, we put the pump out the like electronic pump that would have pumped it up. We had sheets for it. We had all of, we had the whole bed laid out and you stayed for two months. Never once did we pump up that mattress. Never once did you even put a sheet down on the leather couch that you slept on every single night you just put a sheet over top of you and put your head down on the pillow and shut it down every single night for two months never once did you and i had a spare bedroom you could have slept in there and you slept on the leather couch the whole time <laughs> i i uh well that all sounds very exciting because i haven't left the house in a very long time <laughs> yeah. um but uh 
No, like yeah, with the cooking and like I literally would work all day and then I'd go to the grocery store because I'd get off earlier because I'd start so early. It started like six in the morning or whatever. So I get off early. I go grocery shopping, pick out dinner and see what inspired me. And then I would cook a dinner with my $99 a day and then I'd feel like I paid rent. <laughs> It was the best deal I could have ever imagined. We, uh, we loved it. It was, and I mean, you cook like wild stuff. Like you weren't making like, Oh, we're having like spaghetti tonight. Like you were making like weird international dishes. It was delicious. It was awesome. Okay. And, like when you were, we were like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now we should make this more of a hockey podcast again. So, right. Um, I'm happy. I I've seen you send me some photos. Now you're turning into a foodie. I like it. I dig it. Um, so I just hope you continue on, but here we go. So where are you originally from and, uh, your minor hockey to up to junior, where, where did you go? What'd you do? I, uh, I hail from Burlington, Ontario. Um, that's like where I'm from. It's where I, uh, I grew up until I went to, uh, until I went to Western. Um, so I just grew up playing minor hockey, um, in like the Burlington minor hockey association. Um, mostly like triple a played double a for a year. And then, uh, yeah. Then when I was like Bantam or wherever our draft year was back then, I was, uh, drafted to Mississauga in the Ontario league. And that was back when, like, Mississauga won, I don't know, they won, like, seven games or nine games one year. Wasn't Don was Cherry the-, the coach? Yes, Don Cherry was the coach. And I remember, like, guys were – it's funny. I just – I have a handwritten letter from Don Cherry my mom gave me in a big basket of old hockey stuff. But anyway, guys like agents were writing papers and saying, like, get my kid out of here. Like, it was apparently not a great situation at the time. And I didn't know anything about anything. So I, I played tier two for the Burlington Cougars and the, uh, and the old OP. I don't even know if that's what the Ontario Junior League is anymore, but I played in like the Ontario Provincial League. Um, yeah, played there when I was 16 and then played there my next year when I was 17, when I had a pretty good idea that I wasn't really interested in playing in the Ontario League and wanted to go to college and uh, – yeah, minor hockey was awesome. Our team was like a, we were like a juggernaut. We all played like in the winter together. All the kids from around here, we all played, um, we all played summer hockey and like tournament hockey together with some other kids from a few other teams in our league. And then um, I got to junior. We were awful, like awful, awful. And it was basically like my Bantam team was like our junior team with a few old guys mixed in, um, and we. We came in last our first year, and I think we missed the playoffs by, like, an extraordinary margin. Um, same thing second year. We were not a whole lot better. So junior hockey was a little bit rough. Um, but it was fun playing my hometown. Like, rink was down the street from my house. Didn't have to move away from home, which I don't think I probably was overly prepared to do when I was 16 or 17. And I don't think you yeah, were prepared. It's kind of pretty, th- pretty minor hockey I don't think you were prepared to move out of your house uh, when you were, uh, however old you were went to Western Michigan. I don't think even by the time we left Western Michigan, you were still prepared to live out of the house. Well, it's funny um, because my mother to this day, Carol Dwyer, <laughs> will uh, always say that, 
or Kara Wells, pardon me. Sorry. Uh, she'll always say that if she, her regret is that she let me go to college because uh, I left high school a year early, right? Like I'm a year younger than you and I could have gone to OAC and gone to high school and then gone to college a year after. And like, I pushed to be like, hey, like if they want me to go now, like let's roll. And I mean, I didn't know anything about college hockey before we got to Western. Like we all learned on the fly, or at least I did. Like no one from around where I live. There's one guy, um, there's one guy from Burlington who I knew well, who played at Vermont. But other than that, I didn't know anything about college or any of that stuff. So my mom always says that her one regret is that she should have made me stay home for another year because she thinks that I probably could have used a year of seasoning down in the minors before I headed up at the big club, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I had that. I had the same situation when I decided not to go to Northeastern to stay home for another year. Cause I decided I just wasn't ready. And they were trying to press the fact that like, if you don't, you have an opportunity to come as a true freshman. If you want to play pro, you got to come as a true freshman. And like, everybody gets better at different times and it's it's not always right to always rush it right no i um i definitely agree and if i if i like really think back on it and i mean and this is the funny thing about like being a hockey player and like going through you can think back to be like, there's things that I would have done differently when I was like 14 years old. And sometimes when you're 14 years old, it was like, I probably played like too much hockey back then. I'm worried about it too much. But then you think and you're like, oh, well, if I could be a junior player again, like what would I do differently in junior knowing what I know now? Then it's like, what would I do differently in college knowing what I know? What would I, in all the way up to pro and then it's over. And it's like, you look at other people and look at kind of think about your own situation and all the different stuff. And you would think about it differently, like when you get older. But to me, it was, I, I, I honestly, like I said, like I, pl I played double A one year. So I played triple A my whole life. Then when I got to, I don't know, whatever minor Bantam is, I was like 14. I get cut like out of nowhere. And I was kind of like, what do you mean? Like, and to me, like I, it never crossed my mind being like, oh man, like how am I ever going to go to college or get drafted to the OHL? Like I could care less at that point in my life about what I did after I was done playing minor hockey. Like to me, playing minor hockey at that point was like, I don't know, we win all the time. So that's fun. Like all of my buddies are on this team and like my group of friends are the kids you grow up with. And we play baseball together. We play hockey together in the winter. We play summer hockey together. Like that's like your life, right? And that was what, like, my, at that point, that was, like, my big, that's what, like, really concerned me, I guess. And then I have a little sister, Steph, you know, who is a, uh, <clears throat> back in that time, she was, like, a very, like, high-level figure skater. Like, going to, like, junior national championships and, like, had a, at a time thinking that she might be, like, a big deal national-level figure skater. And um, my mom was the president of the figure skating club in Burlington, which is like a huge figure skating club. <clears throat> so she had found this trainer to start training like the athletes that are these up and coming that a few really, really like high profile junior skaters. So then he trained one hockey player. And then my mom was like, well, I got cut. Like, do you want to work out with him? And I was kind of like, 
yeah, because I want to go hang out with my buddies again. And then that was when like you're 14, 15, like you start to grow a little bit. And then I got to be to ban them like my OHL draft year. And like I made that, I made my team back again. And then, um, like had a coach who like thought I was great and he was a good coach and like gave me way more opportunities than I'd ever had growing up in minor hockey. And like all of a sudden, like OHL teams want to talk to me all the time and people are talking to my parents all the time. And I was like, what's going on here? Like I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. And then, um, <clears throat> what, hold on. So what year is this? This is, this I'm in like when I'm in minor Bantam and Bantam and you got cut at the start of the year and then you start working out with this guy. And now I got cut the year before. So I got cut in minor Bantam played double a for a year. Now you're in major Bantam. You worked out with some guy and now you're getting. Yeah. Larry Justanis sports specific training. Shout out. Sorry, Vex competitor in Canada, but then, Hey, hey, no free ads. I don't, I don't know him. No free ads. I don't know him. No free ads, Larry. But then everything just kind of like, like went really fast for me for a while. Like all of a sudden they were like, I was drafted pretty high and like, I'm playing junior A, which I never even really thought was a thing. Like I never even imagined that I would be playing junior hockey at all, let alone like it just really, really happened quickly. And then college teams are talking to me. And then the next thing you know, I'm going to Western. Like it was like warp speed for like three years through hockey. And admittedly, going back to like, you think back about it, what would you do differently? Like, there's a lot of things you wish you knew more about like that process and like what you were doing, but I was just flying blind and my parents were kind of flying blind and we were just kind of trying to do the best we could. And then the Western thing came around. Um, I got passed off from another school that I was too, you know, not smart enough to get into. So I got dished over to Western through a connection. And then here we are, I'm living with Brent. (laughs) Um, no, so you said you just weren't into Mississauga because Cherry was there and you heard it wasn't a good situation. So then how do you end up at Western Michigan? Like, how did they approach you? And then what they why, – why, why did they want you to go so young? Because, like, back then it wasn't that normal to go as a true freshman. Like, most guys no. were going later on. Nowadays, nowadays they commit when they're like 12 years old and like, they haven't even reached puberty. And they're like, I'm pretty sure when that guy gets taller, he's going to be a good player. So let's sign him to a scholarship now before his balls drop. And uh, like back then you, you, there was 20 year olds in junior B getting scholarships. It's not like that anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, the Mississauga thing, it wasn't even, like they treated me great. And like, I actually like loved interacting with like the people that I interacted with there, like the, like guys who were like the president, the GM and stuff like that. Like they wanted me to play there. And, um, that was like my first kind of peek into like what hockey is and like a little bit of a bigger scale, I guess. And that was cool. But I went, um, I went to Cornell on my first visit. So I played junior with a kid who was like brilliant, good player. He ended up going there. And when they were recruiting him, they started watching me. And I had played like five junior A games, period. Um, and I mean, like junior went, our team sucked, but like I did pretty well. Um, and they 
you know, unofficial visits because I was too young to even go to a school at that point. Like I was 16. Like you're not allowed to do a real visit until whatever date of your year 17 or whatever. Um, so I went and like checked it out. And the first, and I mean, we, I don't even remember if we ever played at Cornell. I remember playing Cornell at home. We but, did. Yeah, we did. Like their rink is wild, like obscene scene at Cornell Lion Ice Arena or whatever it's called. So I want to watch my first college game ever there. And I remember being there with my old man and being like, I am not going to play in Mississauga. Like I am playing at this school in two years. <laughs> and my dad was kind of like, this is incredible. And you know what our folks are like, he's like, yes, I can't wait to come back down here. It's gonna be awesome. And then uh, it didn't work out for academic reasons. Um, obviously it's an Ivy league school and I'm not really an Ivy league guy. At least I was that certainly didn't have the wherewithal to like pay much attention to those types of things at that point in my life. And then, um, they had their assistant coach used to play at Western and that's how I got, they kind of like flipped me over and said, Hey, there's this kid. It's not going to work out with us. You should go take a look. And then Western started coming up and watch me all the time. And there was like, you know, I had, a, I had a few other options, like with a few other CCHA schools. And I mean, I Western, I went down, watch them play Maine, beat them and tied them, third team in the country. I was like, man, these guys rule. They're wicked. Great. I mean, we know our, our school had an awesome environment and a wicked rink and great fans. It was a really cool place to play and a really cool place to watch games. So I was kind of like got really enamored by it and from like, I guess the excitement level. And like, I was like, wow, like, again, like it was all, it moved really quickly. And it was just like, how can I not go to this place? And um, yeah. So, and I was ready to go. I didn't want to wait. There's other schools that were like, Hey, we'd want you to come, but we need to, we need a year. And you didn't at that point in my life, I was like, forget it. I'm out of here. Let's go to Western, Let's go Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it's hard to turn down a full ride and say, I'm going to wait a year. Like, that's like just putting on the brakes. So, like, I'm not good at putting on the brakes with anything either. So, like, I would get that. The only reason I didn't go a year earlier was because they didn't offer full rides at Northeastern because they said only one guy on their hockey team got a full ride. Didn't make sense yeah. to me, but I thought they were full of shit. But anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – everyone's like when it comes to picking schools and like again you can always look back and be like what would have happened if I hadn't gone and um or if I'd gone a different way or whatever like that but <clears throat> when to me like I mean um obviously like my college I, I I split it into two like my college experience was awesome like I loved going to school in Kalamazoo I loved going to Western like we had a great I always thought from like a like a group of guys perspective, like year after year, we had a pretty great team, like, you know, for the most part, but like from a hockey perspective, <clears throat> obviously like it wasn't the greatest four years of my life. Like I was an in and out guy, like never really got like a really big opportunity to play a lot. And like that, like frustrated me. And like, you know, there's, you know, there's certain feelings that you have about certain parts of the college hockey experience that never leave you. Um, Cause I mean, for me, like that was the crescendo of my career. Like that was the best thing I ever did in hockey. Like um, no disrespect to where I played after, but 
that was kind of the top of the mountain for me. Um, and, but at the end of the day, if you like really measure it all kind of on balance, like, I mean, I, I could get around pretty well, but was I going to the NHL? Like, I don't know. I probably wasn't ever really anywhere near going to the NHL regardless of what I did. So what do you have at the end, right? At the end, you have, you know, you made a lot of good friends out of it and you got a lot of really good memories out of it. And there was good hockey parts about it where, you know, that I can have good memories of it, but strange yes. experience. And all you are like, you are like, I don't even have to say anything. Jeez. Like, you already went through Western no Michigan. You're into pro now. Like, holy moly. Like, slow down, okay? Jeepers, creepers. We're, we'll, we'll get there, okay? Just relax. Right, just, just just relax, yeah. okay? Hey, hey, just breathe. Okay, listen. I want to know, okay, because you already talked about going to Western Michigan and everything. I wanted, to, I was going to say like, so after junior, okay. So you made that decision, you went OHL. So you go or yep. whatever, you go to Western Michigan. I actually, what I was going to say was, okay, so you're going to Western Michigan. And now I believe mm -hmm. it's orientation or perhaps it's picking you up to actually drive you to school in read Yant's whole Yancey's um, boom, boom, the old um, yep. Honda civic with the big muffler. And he would get the yep. beat, the boom, boom going. And he picked you up to go to university. So the story, the story goes, this is a very important story in the lore of our group's friendship. So the story goes, I call um, Jimmy, our coach, and he tells me that there's a guy who lives in Tavistock and that he is driving himself down. And my dad was kind of like, you know, I was 17, like been driving for like four months. I'm like, hey, dad, I need the keys to the truck. I'm driving to Kalamazoo. And he was like, eh, I don't know about that. Maybe I'll drive you. I'm like, you're not coming, obviously. Like, I'm not showing up with my dad for orientation. So I call... <laughs> Uh, our coach Jimmy and he's like there's this kid in Tavistock Reed Yancey who's coming next year I believe he's driving down maybe you guys can link up so the first thing that's going through my mind is where is Tavistock and where would I meet him like if you told me that Tavistock was in Thunder Bay at that point I would have believed you I've never heard of Tavistock Ontario um so I call up I go I go and look him up online and I go on, if you remember the website, Canada 411, which is where you used to look up people's home phone numbers. So I put in Tavistock Yancey search. There's like 42 Yonceys in Tavistock. And if you drive through Tavistock, everything is called Yancey Home Hardware, Yancey Feed and Seed, Yancey Pavestone Plus, everything is Yancey. So I called through like four or five different people being like, is Reed home? They're like, doesn't live here. And I'm like, is Reed home? And they're like, oh, Ross's kid, he doesn't live here. <laughs> Finally, I get Reed on the phone. And we arranged to, we arranged to meet up at the Sweeberg truck, truck stop, which I know you know the Sweeberg truck stop. And so Reed, I'm standing there waiting for him, like on the curb, basically. And he rolls up in the black Civic, and he's got the seat way back. 
and he rolls down the window but not a full roll down he does like the roll down like this like the roll down so you can just see half of his eyes like this and he's leaned way back and he's like you dwyer and i'm like uh yeah I'm like read he's like yeah he's like good so he stuffed my stuff or whatever in everybody again there goes you like the beats in this boom boom <laughs> Was he wearing the Chicago Skyline shirt? <laughs> he was not wearing his Johnny Blaze Chicago Skyline shirt. He was more uh, comfortable that day. For like he, evening wear. Because uh, uh, Reed Yahtzee, Yotze, he had a shirt that was the Chicago Skyline all the way around. And by God, he looked gorgeous at it. But do you oh, want- he looked so hold on. So I got to tell you about the first time I met Reed Yahtzee because you have your, do you got any beats in this boom, boom or whatever he's, whatever was said there. Right. What was he saying? What is that? What he, what, what he said? No, what was it? this has been, this story has been obviously manipulated over the years a little bit and no one's ever accused me of letting the facts get in the way of a good story. But I, the, the line is, you got any beats in this boom boom? But why would he have asked me if I have any beats when I was in his boom boom, right? <laughs> You're right. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. So the, 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 the night I met Reed Yahtzee, okay, was uh, I'm playing um, in a junior B all-star game um, and they make a team of our league so our league's playing the other junior b league and me and yancey are both all-stars and he showed up in full black leathers like i'm talking <laughs> like <laughs> i'm talking pants i'm talking coat i'm talking <laughs> he was not wearing <laughs> he, was, he, he was full leather <laughs> see i've i've seen i'm pretty positive i've seen the picture and then I know the leather jacket. He was wearing the leather jacket. I've seen it. I okay. know the leather jacket. Are you saying that he wasn't wearing leather pants? What was he wearing for pants? I don't know, but I, I can't believe that he had a pair of leather pants. He on. was full leather. And I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm telling you, I'm like, so this is going to be my, my, like the guy I'm playing with for the next four years. Like we both have committed to Western Michigan. And then all of a yeah. sudden, our friendship blossomed and he was our closest friend, but like, um, and yeah. he, he made a few changes. He, he, he didn't show up to Western Michigan in full leathers, but who knows what goes on in Tavistock, right? I, I you know what? I, I made several trips to Tavistock with Rito for um, our birthdays are very close to each other. So we would go home for a weekend and, he would party with my buddies for a night and we'd go to Tappy and kind of hang out and party with his buddies for a night. Um, Tavistock is, I mean, you're, you're obviously from Elmira where I've had a couple restovers as well. Um, Tavi is a, is a fun town to be in. It's a, you'd, you'd be surprised at how much mischief you can find in Tavi if you go looking for it. But Reed, Reed is um, one thing about, and again, like going back to, and I always say this too about college, like we were lucky. We were very lucky that we had like a, like we had a crew of me, you, Daryl, 
and yachts of where like we were all together for four years. We lived together. Even when we didn't live together, we were living together. And um, we had other good, like we had, I mean, we had, you know, other great guys who were buddies with our team. And like, we had Chew, we had Bubbles. Like we had a crew galley. Like we had a crew of dudes who we went for a good chunk of our college career together, which I think it was good. And it's, that's, that's why like, I always say like your college buddies are different a little bit to me. Like you get your buddies, your high school buddies are a little bit different. Your other buddies are a little bit different, but your college buddies are their own breed. Um, like our, our roommates, our group. So that's where we, we are right now. Right. So we're into your Western Michigan days. And, um, so basically, um, I want this, this is about your career here, right? We're not just telling stories here. So we're going through your career. So now you're at Western Michigan and, um, I think the group of us, like me, you, Daryl and Yancey being in the same class, like at Western Michigan, like that is just the most bizarre thing because like we all have different relationships between us, but the four of us together is just, it's just something special. It, it, it really, it's, it's, I mean, and I, I, I sincerely hope that everybody else who we've ever played with are have the same crew, but like, it is true. Like we, we do our little, we try to get together once a year, whatever, like, I try to see you once a year. That's just not with the rest of the crew, but like, we'll try to come up and see you guys or whatever. Like I go and see Yancey. I see Daryl whenever he's home. Like, but when we do all hang out, like it's the best time ever. Like that's the best night of the year when we get to hang out with our college buddies. (laughs) And you know, naturally, but we were, uh, we were fortunate in that regard that we, we did have a good crew and it wasn't always, you know, everything wasn't puppy dogs and ice cream when we were in college. So it helps when, you know, when you got a, a good set of guys to be with and live with and play with and everything else. with. Yeah. We, we literally learned about life together. Like, like you were 17 or whatever when you got there. I was actually, I think I was 18, I think. Um, yeah. He just turned 18. We got there. Right. So it like, we were all just learning about life, but like some of the things we learned were pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> but okay. Here are some other things I got here. Well, we're on this is, uh, the time. So we've talked about our special bond and maybe our team did not perform up to, uh, what we wanted. So basically for me, I hate it because when we went to Western Michigan, uh, Western Michigan was pretty good. Like they were pretty good. Yeah. And by the time we left, we weren't good. And like it, it, it still bugs me. Right. But like, it was like that, but like there were things and it was, it wasn't good at some points between coaches and players and how everything was working and um, losing does that though. And losing just snowballs. And that's kind of what happened in college was like losing snowballed. And then by the end of it, man, the practices we were having where we were just 
doing suicides every practice. Like if you took a bad penalty, the whole team did a suicide, but then you did an extra one. It was all just, it was tough to, uh, and it was great though, that we had each other to go through those things with, and we always had each other and we at least didn't make it, uh, a bad time. We at least somehow made college fun, even with some of the things we had to deal with. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, our, it's funny because if you really think back to like, if you think back to what our team like really was and when you get into it's like, I never knew anything about players from anywhere else. Like all of a sudden there'll be like galleys on our team. I'm like, man, where'd that kid play? Like, Oh, it plays in Chicago. I'm like, I didn't know there was good hockey players in Chicago. Like, I'm sure there's a couple, but I didn't know there was a bunch and like kids from Michigan. And then you're like, Oh my God, like how many good kids live in Minnesota? Like you guys play high school hockey there. Like I had kids on my high school team who learned how to skate on the first day of practice. Like, and it's just, <clears throat> there's people everywhere, but if you even look at like our team, like we're all from Ontario and like our whole recruiting class from Ontario for the most part. And like, you look at the kids that we brought in just our year, like I'm a scrub in our recruiting class and they thought that I was going to be good, but like we had so many great players, like you, like leading leagues and scoring, like you, Yance, Daryl, all like sick players. All, Vince, all Vince Bellissimo. Vinny, yeah, Vinny was drafted to show already and, like, led the, he tied Thomas Vanek in scoring the year before in the USHL, like, and so then, and then you look at other guys in our team. I mean, when we, like, first got there. Which, but, by, by the way, um, Vinny's coming on the podcast. Um, he reached out to me. I, I, no, man, that guy, ha that guy is part of the reason why I got to Germany is actually uh, the German team. Um saw that I had had more points than him and he was ripping up the DL. So they were like, well, if you scored more than a college, like surely the hell you could play in the second league. <laughs> Wait for you to have that conversation with Vinny. Cause I have not talked to Vinny in probably a decade. We went and met up randomly and at dinner in Toronto at a bar on a patio, like literally right after college. And I, I, I think he talked to me about wanting to maybe coach with them um in Toronto but like I couldn't do it at the time but I, I lost touch with them but I can imagine that when you talk about that story that will piss Vinny off <laughs> why he's the one that got me the job and he was the one doing better than me in professional where you actually get paid to play <laughs> like no he, I, there, like, there was and one one thing I'll say about we our, had a competitive our, me and him had we were very got, competitive you two had a very competitive feud in terms of who is the top dog out on the ice. And you guys both did very well in college and that was probably good. But what I was saying before, like we had, if you look at like the players on our team and again, like class, remember, remember like, remember Jeff Campbell, remember how sick soup he was. He was the hardest player to play against in a practice in the history of hockey. He used to do that start stop move in the corner where he burned me on that. 750 times in a row in the three years or two years that I played with them. But we had, there was a lot of good players, but it literally never, it's crazy that we didn't do better. I always kind of felt like, I felt like, like if you stacked our team up against teams that we like wouldn't do and we were, you know, we had shitty coaches, but the rest of it, 
it and I, I agree with you it's kind of it's not it's a bit of a kind of like a, a regret and it bothers you a little bit that it, it should have gone better probably for especially during a couple of those four years than it really did um so we're gonna get into happier things here in a second but i i now that we're on this topic i think i should like say something because like um like some people like they were at the start of their coaching careers like brooksy i think brooksy is a is a good coach and like um then there was kenner good guy he tried as hard as he could but like he wasn't a hockey coach he hadn't really been there and done it like he, I think he was doing his MBA at the time. Like he was occupied with that. He had a young child. Like he, his passion, I, I think he was doing that. And like, it just, the coaching maybe wasn't to the level that Western Michigan realized what you need to compete in NCAA level. But like, I cannot complain about a single thing because those coaches made me, they gave me so much ice time. They gave me everything I needed to succeed. I always wondered like, well, like what if I would have gone to one of the bigger schools? Like, would I play this much? Would I score so much? Like, because I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know, but like, I can't say anything bad, but uh, we'll get into that in my episode. So anyways, go ahead. I, I, and I, I have obviously a different um, perspective on those, some of those things. I, I, and again, if you go back to what I said earlier about like, are there things I could have done differently to put myself in a different position if I had like known better or like, you know, was more a hundred percent only worried about hockey. Maybe, I don't know. Did, did I ever feel like I was like doing anything or working less hard than anyone else? Like, I don't really, never really thought that. And there was like times where I got opportunities and I thought I did really well. And then, you know, and not to like make it like overly simplistic, but um, like the coach that recruited me left after our first year. And then, I mean, every kid that he ever recruited, we all got to hang out for a while, right? I mean, and that's natural. Your coaches are going to, you know, bet on their own horses, whatever. Um, it, it was one thing that you mentioned, I, I could never see, like, could you imagine? And again, I'm not out here to like throw mud at anybody, but could you imagine like an, uh, that, like, there's no college hockey program in America that would hire the coaching staff that we have. Like that's not the level of coaching that division one college hockey demands. Um, and there were honestly, like there, there were times where it was so miserable for me playing at Western. Um, like there's one thing that literally the number one memory I have, and there's a lot of good memories, don't get me wrong, but the number one negative memory I have I remember there's two remember the game we played at U of M when we were freshmen and we lost 10, three, we were losing seven, nothing at the end of the first period. I, and Jim, the, I, Jimmy tried to come in and kick a garbage can. It was bolted to the ground. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, the only thing I remember was that 
flipping song that they play in Michigan. And like, literally it just kept playing. Like every time I'd sit down on the bench, the song would play. And I was like, what is this school? And like, who are these people I'm playing? Like what is happening? And like half of them are in the show two years later. We always used to joke that we never heard the end of the song. So they'd get halfway through, they'd score again and fire it up from the top. But I, I remember my, my, like we're playing at U of M I'm in the lineup and you know, young kid, my dad comes down with a bunch of buddies. They go to Ann Arbor, go to Yoast, like wicked place. Like they're all having a great time. Like such a cool experience. We get lit. And I think I was like plus one in a 10, three loss. Like I didn't play, I felt bad, but we got pumped on the 6D. You had so your guy. The next eh? day in Kalamazoo. Yeah, I had my guy. <laughs> so I'm out the next time. And I remember that, like, I remember as like a young 18 year old, like that, like embarrassed me. Like I felt embarrassed in front of like my dad and his buddies and stuff. And I was like, it made me feel like shit. And I was like, all right, well, we're, you know, we're in a different world now. Like we're in the big time a little bit where no one cares about your feelings like and I pretty much had that figured out at that point but the second one was it was do you remember um I well I don't even remember where you guys went but you had traveled somewhere our junior year and it was going into our junior year that I stayed at school and I worked out like a psycho was doing like two days with Daryl like gained like 30 pounds was actually in like legitimate, like college hockey player, six foot four. I was like two thirty, Like I was big. And I thought I came into camp, like ready to rock. Like I'm going to be a big part of the team. I'm done being an in and out guy. And I played nine games that year. And I remember at the start of the year, you guys had left to go to, I don't even remember where somewhere on like a, a five day trip, like Alaska or Nebraska or something. And I had gone because Boots had graduated at that point, or maybe it was our, yeah, it would have been our senior year because Boots had graduated. Boots had, was playing in the coast. He was playing in Columbus where I ended up and he got called up playing Toledo. And I drove out to Toledo to go watch him and stay with them for the night and go watch him play in the coast because I had nothing to do. And I remember watching that game and being like, I think I like, I think I could throw my stuff on and be like a three D man on this team. Like, the first East coast game I'd ever seen. And I'm like, they're, yeah, it's good. But like, I can keep up with this all day. And then I like went back and I kind of was like a little bit like rejuvenated about it. And then got in for a game. I was like out for another game where I was like, what is going on here? Like, I felt like I deserved to have more of a chance at that point. And my, I got scratched right before a game one time. And my mom, my sisters, my dad, my aunt, my uncle all drove to Kalamazoo because I'm like, I'm going to be playing tonight for sure. There's no way I'm coming out. So my mom's like, we're getting in the car and coming down because we're going to take advantage of getting to see you. I get scratched right before the game. And I remember standing up with my dad in the stands and sitting there and like not even paying attention to the game at all, being the most miserable human being on the planet. And I remember looking to my dad and like knowing that, you know, for everyone's dad, when you get to that point of like your hockey life, it's important to your old man. And I knew it was important to my old man. And I was like, I remember turning to my dad and be like, I hate it here. Like, I don't want to play hockey anymore at all. And I was like, I'm going to stay because I'm on a scholarship. I'm not an idiot. I'm not coming home so you can pay for me to go to Brock or some other school. So 
I'm going to stick it out, but I hate it here. And I don't want to play anymore. I'm not trying to play when college is over. Like, I just want to get a job. And my old man being like, you know, I, I got you. Like, I understand you're frustrated or whatever. And that was kind of um, not to do your job for you, but to segue it. That was kind of like why I ended up playing in the Central League and then ended up playing in Georgia. Because it was like the end of the college experience for me and the way it went sometimes I felt unfairly with our coaches was I was like, I, I need to get out of this type of situation and into a situation where like, it's actually enjoyable. And I guess I, I feel that sometimes the people around us in our college life were contributing to that feeling at some points, diplomatically to say. Um, yeah. Like, and the, the weird part about the hockey world is, is like, it's the same as the real business world is like when people take over things, they want to bring in their own people. And, um, and like, when you say, I know who you're talking about, G Garo, when he left after our freshman year, right. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't really the one that recruited me. Um, <clears throat> but like when he leaves, like he's the guy, he's the scout just like in pro. The scout that really fights for someone, once he's not around, fighting for yeah. you, saying, this guy's good, this guy can do this, this guy can do that. Once that guy's not there, he's not there. And then there's nobody fighting for you. And then all right. of a sudden, when they're talking about this or that, then there's nobody on your side. And, like, I do remember the the summer that you you got all jacked up and you'd have your white your white shell necklace around, right? Like make your chippy, you didn't have chippy tits back then. You had like, uh, was, you had oh, packs, was, you oh. had packs, you were swole. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I mean, but again, it, it like, it, it got to the point by, I like our junior year, at the end of our junior year, it was like my peak of being, of like, I hated hockey and going to the rink every day was the worst part of my life. And I think as we got past that year, I got a bit more of an opportunity our senior year. Um, and I got to play a lot, a lot, especially in the first half of the year. Then when things started to go sour and our team sucked and they're playing young kids and I knew I was going to be the guy who got scapegoated for a lot of stuff. Like I'm always going to be the first guy to get kicked out of the lineup. And I was, but at that point I was kind of like, we're going to graduate in the summer. The university club pool will be open in like two months. I don't really care anymore. And I always tried to pride myself on being like, um, and this is why like overall, when I look back at like the Western Michigan hockey experience, I try to pride myself on like, I hope that people would say I was like a good teammate. Like I didn't bitch and moan and like go and like cause a scene about things that sucked for me. Because, I mean, whatever. But I, I'd like to think that at the very least, if like, you know, guys we played with were like, remember Stretch? They'd be like, yeah, that guy was cool. <laughs> like, he was a cool guy to have on the team. You know, we had great relationships, made a lot of friends. We had a lot of fun. You know, there was okay. highs and lows of hockey. But at the okay. end of the day, it's all positive. Okay. Okay. 
And you know what? Every single guy on that team, every single guy you talk to loves stretchy, every single guy. And you know what? And it, it's it's kind of what I'm the first guy to be requested on the two whales and hockey tales with Wally podcast. Um, that did come online. Yeah. There were people that requested this and you know what? This podcast is all about giving the people what they want. And, uh, you know what? Here he is folks here. He is. Um, so I think the reason why you requested is because you're just a dandy and, uh, you would like, as a teammate, even when you're in a position like that, which sucks, man, like, cause I, I was, my hockey thing in college was different than yours. And we were living right beside each other in the same place. It was a very different time for both of us, but like, so other than that, like I got the time because we lived together, we got me, you, the yachts hole and Daryl. Um, who I got enough history with him. He's going to have to come on here and do his thing. Mr. Dr. Daryl. Um, so, no, so hold on. Okay. Hold on. Slow down. So he's coming on, but where was I here? So they made us run two miles in 12 minutes and they told us if you guys want to play on this team if you guys want to be a part of this team if you guys want to get ice time you guys have to run two miles in 12 minutes well guess what i'm not a navy seal and i'm not a very fast runner so can you please explain that summer to everyone uh yeah, when they told us that we had to run two miles in 12 minutes and we both basically said, smell you later, and basically ignored it. They, yeah. And I did the best I could. I got 13 and a half. I, I did like, I was like 12 and 15 seconds. I wasn't that far you off. You shut your filthy mouth. Was, you I weren't was even seven, close. Are I you was, kidding me? No, I am not lying. I was like a straightaway ahead of Malsey who didn't make it. But our coach gave it to him because he couldn't make us all look like jackasses. So he got a courtesy. He got a courtesy click on the clock. But that is, A, the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. And it's funny. because You know what I always think about with that kind of thing? Is remember, so our, uh, our old teammate and buddy Mo. He told it who had come to us from uh, winning a national championship in Minnesota. And I remember when he got there, he was like, this is wild. And we were like, what? Like, you guys don't do Navy SEAL training before, after, in every single minute between practices and games, even during the offseason? And he was like, no. He was like, like, captain's practices? He's like, our coach is like, I'll see you on the first day of practice. Captain's practices are for captains to run. I don't need to bag you for 90 minutes, four days a week. But we did literally Navy SEAL train to the point where a third of the team would be injured going into the season because we were like wildly doing God knows what. Like in me back then, I was uh, I was just skin stretched over some bones like I couldn't be doing Olympic lifting and stuff like that. I was risking major injury every time we stepped into the gym. But yeah. And then and then after we finished, I'm kind of proud of myself that I thought I did well. 
And then he just berated us in front of everybody about how we were letting the team down. And there, everybody that summer had goals. Ours was the worst goal ever. There was one guy who, Jeff Pierce, his goal, because he wasn't flexible, and that was when our assistant coach became a yoga instructor. That was when uh, he couldn't, like, do anything. So his goal was that he needed to be able to touch his toes sitting on his ass. Like, he just needed to be able to reach forward and touch his toes. That was his goal. And our goal was maybe seal training. Um, I, so, so, can I, so I, yeah, now you're making it snowball. Like, no, nobody else will play. He's like, you won't play until you do it. And then no one got it. Everyone played except for me. <laughs> uh, I wasn't allowed to play PK because they said I wasn't in shape enough to play PK, but um, oh. yeah. And for a, for a couple weeks at least. <laughs> so um, no, but like, Oh man, where was I going there? Okay. So the two mile run, the, like the workouts we did though, were so incredible. Like you're right though. Everybody was injured. Like the whole team, half the guys would be injured with shin splints. We'd be running five miles a day. And like, we were all so miserable, like with the hockey side of life that we had to find an outlet because hockey was so miserable, but like. Do you remember when he made us run five miles? Then we got back. He made us run five miles the other way. We had to do the track again. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, it was, uh, it was intense. And like some people just aren't, it, it, it's, it was very old school. It was very much not like the way it should be. And, um, and, uh, we were like the Russian red army. Well, it wasn't even that though. It was like, it made us not like hockey, right? Like it made us not like going to the rink. We used to love going to the rink. I know I used to love it. And there was a time there where like, especially when the seasons were over as soon as before the season and after the season, like, it was like, don't you lose tonight or else next week yeah. you are going to run five miles and then the next day you're going to run five more miles because you didn't win tonight. So you better win tonight. And that was why by, and again, we won't get into the specifics of everything. That was why our senior year was, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. We had, I've probably told you this before, but we had, I got a phone call our senior year from about halfway through the year. And if you recall, we had a bit of an issue around Christmas time of our senior year with per diem. And who was going to eat at the local buffet and what kids were getting full per diem, if you recall. I, no, I don't recall. I do. So we as seniors and juniors who uh, Jimmy was mad at was um, we got, I forget what it was, but we got like a partial amount of the per diem money. And then we had planned dinners at like a buffet restaurant in town. And we were like, so you're telling me and Yancey that we're too fat and that we need to eat more healthy. And instead of being able getting per diem, like the juniors or the, sophomores and the freshmen 
who were like kind of a little bit more pro Jimmy at that point. That was a, that was a thing. And I won't get too much into all of what the aftermath was, but <clears throat> I got called into an off. I get called into a meeting one time with uh, a couple other coaches and they were like, we think that you have a good read on the room and that people, you know, will, you would know what's going on. Like, what's the state of things? <clears throat> and I was like, I just was like, I don't know, semi-honest and being like, well, you know, not necessarily great. And the team's probably not in a good like spot from like a, a position of, you know, just overall morale or whatever. And I was like, and I never, and then I came out of the lineup the next day and I, ne I never played another college game after I had that meeting. <laughs> that was the last game I ever played. It was on like a Tuesday after we got back from a road trip and I never played ever again. And that was kind of everything spun out of control at the end of our college career. Like, I feel like by the time that we left, it was like, did he coach? Another, part for, did, did he coach another year after us though? One or two. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was toxic, man. Like it was, man, they were, was recruit, but no, like they were recruiting Chris Frank who is a guy that kills people and takes penalties and every stupid yeah. penalty, our entire team had to do a suicide. And the guy who took the penalty had to do a suicide while the whole team watched. And sometimes Chris took a couple penalties a weekend because that's who he was. That's the player they recruited. And, yeah. and he would take those penalties and then he would make our whole team skate to the point where it's like what we hate being here. Chris hates right. that he's done this. And it was like, well, what are we all doing here? And it was, it was nuts at the end. Yeah. It was, uh, it got to the point where I think we were all just happy. It was over. And um, I think when we went into the playoffs our last year and we lost, we won our first round and then went to Lake state and then we lost. And I remember when that was done, I think we were all kind of like deep breath being like, I can't wait to get home because we never have to go back to playing hockey here again. And again, it wasn't whatever we're, we're, I mean, it was a long time ago. And um, I think the game has changed a lot. And I think the way that you coach players has changed a lot and, you know, you know, the 15 years since we played college, but um, you certainly wouldn't see the type of program that we were living in today. And I no. think we, it was probably a little bit weird at the time, but we didn't know any better either. No. And uh, you know what though? Like, I really do think they were all doing the best they could too. And um, that's all I'll say about yeah, that's that. True. I, 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 I think it's time to move on though. So let's move on. Okay. So we had yep. our college careers and that happened. But during our college careers, I think it is while we're living through that and we're not winning many games, um, we decide to have some fun in the spring of, was it after my junior year or was it after my so our sophomore year that we decided to put together a roller hockey team with our good friend Daryl Moore and Paul Shahura, 
who are both from Bradford. They're friends. There it is right there, the Canadian cold shop jersey. But this is audio right now until we – I guess the uh, YouTube channel's released now, right? Yeah. So, um, no. anyways, um, we decide to put together a team from Brantford of uh, Chewy and Daryl's buddies from home that grew up playing roller hockey. And I had grown up playing roller hockey as well with Daryl. And I don't think you would ever played, right? So, can we get into that? Um, we absolutely can because it's the high point of my hockey career for sure. So, like we were talking about earlier, the ice hockey portion of my career was scuttled, to say the least. So I, I vividly remember the phone call. Somebody called either you, Daryl, or Chewy. I think maybe Chewy. And it was some coach, the guy who coached like a team in Detroit, and was like, hey, we're putting a team together, blah, blah, blah. I think there are some kids maybe. No, I don't know if that was the team that had kids from Michigan or Michigan State on it. But he's putting a team together. He's like, do you want to play? He's like, Chewy was like, yeah, I'll come to Detroit and play. And he's like, Daryl want to play? And Daryl was like, yeah, I'll play. And then Brent want to play with you guys? And you were like, yeah, I'll play. And I was standing there, and I was like, bros, like, <clears throat> what am I going to do all weekend while you're gone? Like, and then somebody came up with the bright idea of like, screw those guys. We're going to start our own team. So then we call, you know, we call all the Brantford guys and Chew throws it all together. And next thing you know, they're like, do you want to play? I'm like, I'm coming. I'm like, let me on the team. I've never played before. So in the warm up of the first game, they were, Chewy was like teaching me how to stop on rollerblades. Like I didn't know you could hockey stop on a pair of rollerblades. And then we had, I don't even, I don't even remember what happened in the qualifier. I don't think we won. I think we came in like second. I think we might have lost in the final or something, but we qualified to go to Narch. And then next thing you know, we're down at the Lonnie Kai in Fort Myers, Florida, wherever the hell we were. So let, let, let me be the host here and give the background story now. So yeah. Um, I, this is our first time with an on the fly pee. I missed that first part of it because I had to pee. Wow. So yeah, no, that I, I'm back. Um wow. yeah. So <clears throat> um Narch, the Lonnie Kai, and we we do go from western Michigan to that tournament um in the Dumar Center, I believe it was. We qualify yeah. so we know we can go to the tournament. Stretchy still yep. doesn't know how to play roller hockey. So we start renting roller hockey floors around Kalamazoo, Michigan. Do you remember that? And we were practicing roller hockey in Kalamazoo, Michigan. We, hey, we had guys at the, when we found that, that floor to play on, we had guys that were from, I'd already played, I got through a tournament. So I picked up the basics, right? And you know, me being, I, I got an active stick, you know, I'm all over the place. I'm saucing pucks all over the place. <clears throat> but I would get to the red line and I would stop because I knew I got no business down there. Like I just give the puck to you, Chew, Daryl or Stockdale and let you do your thing or let Tuzi go backhand cheese. So I was like, I got no business down there. I'm just breaking up two on ones. That's my role on the squad. And I love it. 
Then when we start renting ice before we go to Narch, we had guys from our team at Western playing. We had me and you and Daryl playing. We had guys driving five hours from Brantford to get to our team practice. They were coming down and playing with us too. Okay. <laughs> so, so, okay. Okay. So, since this is a double episode, we're running a bit long here. So we're going to have to speed thing up, things up. And so we did practice at Kalamazoo. So then we end up going to Fort Myers, Florida for the finals of Narch. And there's teams from all over North America. And I believe even uh, the world, there's teams from France. But um, so we're staying at the Lonnie Kai and uh I believe there's a round robin portion, which uh, I guess we didn't seem to be too concerned with because we had a pretty swell time staying on the beach, if I don't recall. Um, I think it was a perfect storm of A, we were staying at a one-star beach resort where you didn't want to ever spend any time in your room and there was only so many other places to go, but I remember dropping my bag and coming back an hour later and there was a line of ants from under the door, up the floor, on the ceiling, split and went into Daryl and I's bags. So I had ants all over my gear the whole tournament. But it was, there was so, like all the other, there's a bunch of other teams staying at that hotel. It was the biggest dump of a hotel in America. And I, that was like at point in college. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you please stop talking about the Lonnie Kai like this? Like, this was one of the best memories of my life. Like, why are you being so negative right now? Because that place is full of memories, and you're talking about how big of a dump it is. I absolutely love it. And that's not even the only time I stayed there. That's a fantastic resort. Who are you? What are you talking about? The Lonnie Kai holds more real estate in my heart than any other property in the Southern United States. With that said, the Lonnie Kai was probably condemned at this point. It might not even still be a business, but there was, there was that one point where we were going to take a fire hose and spray the floor to get the sand out of one of the hotel rooms. There were, there Um, were a few things happened throughout that that week that oh, were prestigious. that was chewy's old man nobody knows who chewy I, I is on this i was being ambiguous and not saying who it was but yes, right it was. no I, I didn't i didn't name names nobody knows who chewy is like come on this is a podcast that's global nobody knows who chewy is so chewy's dad came up with a hose and he uh he needed those ants out of there. Like we got to clean the place up because we weren't living like a fire, right. A fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> well, he cleaned it up. That was that whole, we played for like three days and then stayed for four days after, like we won the Super Bowl or the Stanley cup and we had the best time. And that was like a, a crew of dudes. And like the, a lot of the guys who play with us on that team would come to Western all the time. They're all Chewy's best buddies and Daryl's good buddies from home. And like, they were kind of like, they weren't on our team, but they're always around. And like, we knew them all really well. And like, that was just like a, like a, that, that was the best week literally of my entire life. I had 
and other than being married and other than having a baby. But that was, that was like the most refreshing fun I've had playing hockey, albeit it was roller hockey on the beach. That was like the most fun I've literally, like I was ready to be like, I never want to play hockey ever again. And that was the most fun we possibly could have had. And we had a wicked group of dudes and it was like, we had, we had like fans who came down to watch. Like people came who didn't even play on the team. who just came down for the week. And, you know, like all the guys who play with us and coach and um, shout out to our boy coach thinking about you. Um, but it's, that, that was, and it's, it's funny because I can think back to you when you had your episode with Vex and he was like, I had to listen to you assholes talk about that every day. And you know what the best part about college was? We would be like, oh, big game tonight on a Saturday. We got tomorrow off. Oh, we're playing Michigan State. Now we're going to lose by seven. But when we get home, we're going to have a huge Narch victory party for the tournament we won two years ago. <laughs> and we would fill that puppy up full of Coors Light and just act like, act like we just, you know, landed on the moon. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I probably at my career at that stage i probably wasn't totally agreeing with what was going on <laughs> so oh. um i kind of went with it but it was a strange year i mean it was a it was a it was a strange year for me because i had a lot going on and uh i like you were beside me and i knew where you were at and it was like wow this is nuts but okay we gotta keep going that's it we gotta we got to keep going, man. We still got another episode to record tonight. So I can't. Okay. So after Western Michigan, though, you decide not to go back to Burlington, Ontario, and you decide not to play one year just to kick the can. You decide to become a cult legend for the Columbus Cottonmouths. You decide to play four years of professional hockey in the Southern Professional Hockey League, if you consider that professional hockey um so what was that like um it was awesome so i i mentioned earlier about uh and it's kind of two things together but i mentioned earlier about how our buddy boots uh matt pano was playing in columbus got called up and i went and went and watched him play i think it was toledo or wherever it was in the coast so that's kind of how i ended up there so I talked to him and he was like, just come down here. And at that point, when we were done playing college, I did not have any interest in being like, I wasn't like my hockey career was never going to be like my real career. Like I wasn't going to be in the NHL. I knew that. But I also knew that if I wanted to play somewhere, like I could go play somewhere. So um, he had talked to me about being like, come down here. It's wicked wicked ownership like the owners of that team owned aflac insurance wanda and shelby fantastic people treat us like their kids they're wicked great coach um like awesome guy Jerome bichard and he was like come on down here it's a lot of like it'll be fun it's hot we play golf we have a wicked rank we have a lot of fans we get paid pretty well everything's great and i was like yeah you know being me beggars can't be choosers it's not like i'm calling up you know not going to american league camps or anything i don't really have a i don't have a lot of game tape per se so i kind of figured and i and kind of made the decision like 
I don't want to end my career that it sucks and that I hate hockey because Western hockey sucked. And, you know, go somewhere where you can play, you can contribute, have a good time, all that stuff. So I always thought I was going to play in Columbus. Then Daryl and Marv are, you know, two classmates, um, one being roommate. They have some weird agent and he's sending them to go play in the Central League. And I was like, well, same thing as Narch. I'm like, well, if you guys are going to play in the Central League, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'll just go with Daryl. And, like, me and Daryl were kind of attached to the hip back then. And I was like, well, Daryl's going there. Like, I'm just going to play with Daryl. We can play on the same team. Perfect. It'll be wicked. So we go down there. It is – our visas get screwed up, so we missed the start of camp. It was a sideshow. Daryl gets cut, like, three days later. Marv gets cut, like, two days later. Marv ends up being the goalie of the year and like an MVP candidate for the central league that year and got cut in like 20 minutes from our team. Cause the whole thing was a joke. Like no one had a fair opportunity. I make the team. I'm there for a couple weeks and then they cut me after like not playing and the team get blown, getting blown out. And I played like four shifts and then I get cut. And I'm like, at that point I was like, I'm ready to get the hell out of here. So I call Boots and it worked out that they could find me a place in Columbus. And yeah, after that, it was, I definitely wouldn't say I have a cult following. It is a, uh, it's very, when you move down to play like in the South and God bless them. And they were really, I have nothing bad to say about anything that ever happened down there. It was awesome. But like the, the, what makes a hockey fan tick there is a little bit different than what makes a hockey tan or hockey fan tick in Canada, you know, like and not that no one knows anything about the game or anything like that, but cause they certainly do. But, you know, fighting was a very big part of our league oh. and, you know, it's either goal scoring or fighting. And if you do other things in between those two things, like some people thought I was great and some people thought I sucks. I didn't fight enough kind of thing, but um great experience i loved it columbus is a great place to be um i totally like agree though like if you're not the top scorer and you're not the fighter and you're not the goalie there's everybody else right and yeah. uh yeah that's interesting but um i'm very firmly in everybody else okay <laughs> i have a couple stories that we never got to before we shut this down, but um, were there any um, like stories where like you played a game where you're like, I'm in the Southern professional league. Like you're, you're, you play a game and you're like, wow, I would have never seen this anywhere else. Um, as soon as you said that, I can think of probably 50 games out of like the 120 I played. So <laughs> the first game, now I will preface this by saying, but when I got, I played there, I played there four years. My first year to my fourth year is like completely different leagues. I've always said that like the top line, the top like four forwards or five forwards on my team in Georgia could have played in the coast all day. And could have, I had guys on my team who would be the best player on teams in the central. Like there were really good players in that league. Were there players at the bottom who weren't really good? Yes. Were there like a couple spots on every team that were like sometimes wild, 
you know, fighting goon type guys, for sure those guys were in that league. But my first game ever, and I remember getting there, and I would call my old man after every game before I get on the bus, and he'd listen on the radio. And I remember calling my dad after my first game in Columbus, and my dad being like, I showed up, did pregame skate, played the home opener the day I got there. And my dad being like, what happened out there? That sounded wild. I had a guy on my team chase around another guy, try to clothesline him on the ice. The guy ducked it. He clotheslined the guy on my team, folded him like a lawn chair. <laughs> the game ended. We went into the room, and then they just squared off and fought in the middle of the room. We had a guy, we had a team that Daryl played on where I'm pretty sure they dressed uh, they dressed a bouncer from a bar as the backup goalie, and he came on the ice with no pads on and tried to fight somebody during warm-ups. Um, the, like, the big-time fights would be, like, they'd be set up for, like, weeks at a time. Like, it was there, – there was some pretty there, – there was bench-clearing brawls when I played that w- were on CNN. Like, they were making national news for, like, wow, look at what happened in Knoxville <laughs> And like every year there would be a kid who got kicked out of the league forever. They made rules to get, they would make, there was a guy who played in our league who had played a bunch of NHL games, got in a bunch of trouble. And he was a psycho. And he wasn't even like that tough. Like my tough guy beat him up and they made rules to just make sure like, Oh, you can only play, you know, if you have more than 144 games of experience to get somebody out who had 143 games of experience, like they would just make rules to get rid of guys who did crazy stuff. But man, the, the Southern Pro League, it always got a worse rap. And the Southern Pro League now is like probably like what the Central League was at its height, like five years later or whatever, 10 years later, just because it's always cyclical, those leagues. They fold and blah, blah, blah. But um, I loved it there. I, I honestly, again, great coach, love the guys I play with. I'm tight with a bunch of guys that I still play with down there. Like fantastic ownership. Um, I got treated like gold there and great fans. We got a lot of support and we had a really great booster club and stuff like that. And um, I don't have a bad word to say about the four years. And at the end of the day, I had so much fun and that's all I wanted. Like, I didn't want to go to a team where it's like, I'm grinding to be on the second line pair like i don't care like i'll be the seventh d man on a team in the southern pro league but <clears throat> it was great um well i would say we better keep moving because we got a whole nother episode dude it's almost i guess it's getting late here so um the other thing i got here is uh our roommate this is will be the last thing we talk about then we'll shut her down and we'll start the other one but like um uh, i think realistically man there's nothing to be ashamed of in your career man like you you got a division one scholarship you got your school paid for you didn't see eye to eye with the coaches for four years but like everything's good so this is where i want to end it okay yeah southern professional league's all good i just was curious about it but like i want to talk about fozzy puking on the ice um (laughs) Uh, because <laughs> because this guy is the only professional NHL athlete I know lately. Uh, and, uh, and I remember him puking on the ice more than I remember him playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, so 
um, two things there. One, it took me, if I'm being honest, it took me a little while to um, like not resent some hockey things. And you're, and you're right. Like when you get to the end of it and you realize like the benefit of what, what this has brought you and the people you met, um, you're right. I got, I have, I'm, I'm very proud of what I accomplished and I'm happy with the way everything turned out and all of those things. So, um, with regards to Fozzie, I was sitting on my couch in Binbrook and I remember sitting there looking through my phone and they're like Scott Foster and they're like emergency goalie, Scott Foster coming in for Chicago. And it clicked in my mind being like, Foz lives in Chicago. And I texted you, Daryl and Reed in a group chat. And I was like, pretty positive Fozzie's going into a game right now. I think he's the emergency goalie for the Blackhawks and it's on TSN. And I, I watched that. I watched the whole rest of it being like, and I had, I haven't, I mean, I haven't kept up with Fozzie a whole lot. I text him on the number I have on my phone being like, are you kidding me? I have no idea if this is your phone number. And he texts me back like four hours later being like, yeah, I missed out for a beer with my old man. And I was like, I hope that like Patrick Kane is taking you out to like a strip club right now. His and he old was like, man was in town for that. Yeah. So his, it was over Easter weekend. So his parents had come down to see Aaron and his wife, Aaron and their kids. So hey. they were in Chicago. Well, that's nuts. So we're going to have to get him on to tell that story. So, okay, let's not figure. Okay. And then, go ahead. And then, and then someone took a slap shot from the red line when we were in college. And he threw up all over himself and let the let the puck in. <laughs> I was skating behind him. No, you didn't have to jump to it that fast, like jeepers. That was quick. Uh, like I, I was sitting in the stands and I wasn't really paying attention to the game. I was just eating, you know, uh, candy corn. I, I I had gone into four check Brett Lebda and he had given me a shimmy shake and then skated it out. And I was literally staring at his ass and he shot it from the red line. And I'm literally behind him and he shoots it at the net. Foz lets it in top corner. Foz man lets it in top corner. And, And we're playing Notre Dame. The crowd is juiced. Everybody's into it. And then the Foz man lets it in from the red line tips up the helmet and just pukes all over the ice. Do you know what the best part about the Foz story is and what makes me happy for, for Foz? Yes. Yes. No, hold on. I do know. It was when the whole crowd, when he lifted up the helmet and the, he puked on the ice, the whole crowd went, like the whole student section everybody's having a good time everybody's drinking everybody's having fun and then the goalie pukes on the ice and lets goal in from center that is not what makes me happy for Foz's story what I was gonna say is what makes me you know what Foz I mean obviously like the whole playing for the Blackhawks story is insane like crazy as if Fozzie found himself in that position and then secondly all of a sudden I'm I'm like messaging a couple buddies of mine being like uh yeah like that's our buddy like Fozzie's our college goalie like I know that guy and they're like man he's so funny and I'm like 
the, that's the biggest line of jokes I've ever heard Foz throw out in his life. Like Foz was doing comedy hour with the media. But you know, the best part about it is they have, and I don't know when the last time you've gone back to Western is, but I went, I don't know, probably five years ago, like me, Daryl, we met Galley there, like Mozzie was there. We went and watched North Dakota play them. But they have like all around the one end of the rink, they have all of the players from Western who have played in the NHL and you get your jersey up. And they have a Foster jersey, Blackhawks jersey up there. They're like, well, he played in the NHL. Foz gets his Foz gets his NHL jersey on the wall with all the other NHLers to come out of Western, which I think is so sick. And I think he dropped the puck or something like that too. I might be wrong, but I think that is so cool. And that's something that Foz, I bet you know in Foz that he's probably like, that's something where he's like, that's super badass, which I was super happy for him. That was such a cool story and so unbelievable. But ah. so Man, the Foz is a great dude, and he was always a great teammate, and he always worked as hard as he could. He was. Oh, yeah. He was in, like, he did the best he could, and we've talked about everything else. So I think it's time for a pee break, and then we get into the next episode. What do you think? It's too late. We. Get- I'm, uh, I'm off that. I, you know, I talk too much, so I don't really want to be on this side. It's about time that, you know, um, I hope the people got what they want and it's about time that we start diving nose deep into the Brent Walton story. Yeah. Well, let's hopefully this doesn't go too long that I, I can't uh, speak clearly. I want, I want all the, the boys and girls out there to know that there's a large part of the Brent Walton story that if I need to do some fact checking on, I am here. Okay, I'm shutting it down now. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. That's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive me. I'm like Scott, I'm a gold band. I like pizza, pounds, and bands. I'm always speaking my mind, man. I'm better off biting my tongue. I'm a bad joke at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend in my own mind. I'm good for some, but I'm not for 